I'm Adriana. And I'm Wasir. And you're listening to Undercurrent, a podcast complementing the undercurrent art space at 70 John Street in Brooklyn. Today we're moving forward with the virtual online exhibit 10001, which you can see at 10001.undercurrent.nyc. That's 13001.undercurrent.nyc. The third week's videos are going up as this podcast goes to press, I guess. And today we'll be discussing briefly what's going on in the second week videos. But first, a reminder. Daniel Jodice's show, Soundbox Garden, opened on Saturday and will be up until October 10th. Be sure to visit Undercurrent. It's open for you Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 1 to 7. Adriana apologizes for missing the last episode. It's all good, Adriana. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) One thing I promised the listeners last time was an update on one pairing at 10001. Namely, Jonas and Kira have actually met. Their week two videos discussed both artists' Baltic backgrounds and their memories or lack thereof of the independence movements of Estonia and Lithuania. And then they actually, like, met up in real life on the top of a building on 6th Avenue in Manhattan. And they were discussing ideas of universal language and then about how to do something culture jammy uh, in order to queer up, I guess, in some way, the experience of being in New York City. Have you watched those videos, Adriana? I have. They're, uh, they're quite touching because I think it's kind of rare for the artists to be in the same city at the same time. I mean, listening to the teams that kind of I'm editing or I'm in charge of editing um they're kind of on different sides of the world sometimes so Mm -hmm. it's really nice that they got the chance to meet up physically um and talk about their ideas there yeah and we'll see what they what they end up with figure what they end up figuring out over the course of the rest of the project and then you asked me to pay special attention to team t which is sadi and anna uh with their week two videos can you tell me why that is yeah, um, just editing Saudi and Anna and just following their story throughout the weeks. It's been really interesting because um, they obviously come from very different artistic or making backgrounds. Hold on, can um, you can you remind the listeners what their practices are? Yeah, um, Saudi is based in Belgium, but she's Belgium Moroccan. Her dad is originally from Morocco. Um, she's a multimedia artist working within film primarily, and she really delves into Um, the legacies of colonialism, of um, inequities in our current society relating to um, women's rights, um, colorism, and immigrant diaspora. So she's uh, another really interesting facet about her that I recently discovered is she's actually a sociologist by training. So I think you get a lot of this research-based methodologies probably from her training as... um, Great. And Anna? So Anna works a lot with utilitarian objects, so she kind of 
uh, plays with the distinction between something that could be used perhaps in the household or as a piece of furniture, and then um, plays with what happens when that use is uh, barred or we cannot access that. Um, she is originally from Poland. She has her practice there, and um, something interesting about her that I've uh, learned throughout the weeks is that she interviews a lot of kind of Polish fairy tales or like mythology into her work as kind of this uh, starting point to choosing her materials and how that progresses. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's a large, there's a mystical component. So there's a there's a way in which uh, Saadi's work can feel, or just, just the little bits I've felt can feel very much of the 20th century or 21st century you know, by clipping in commercials or clipping in uh, uh, stock footage and that sort of thing. Right. Whereas Anna, in, in, in the introductory video, Anna was saying that, you know, these, these fairies and whatever, they still exist out in the mountains in, in Poland and they, they help guide the work. Right. And I think an interesting similarity between them is, well, at first I think they had trouble, um, kind of melding their practices together to create something they could work on together because, again, Asadi is very research-driven in a different way than Anna is. I think Anna works more from the material itself and then builds out from there, whereas Saadi works from an idea. Not to say that any which way is the way to go. I think they just had, um, they were just re, you know, uh, articulating their practice and it can be challenging sometimes to work with another person. The sense you get from listening to the video is that they they approach their work completely in reverse from each other. Right. And what ends up being the solution? Um, you know, before I talk about the solution, I'd like to point out that the, the point in which they kind of realized a great similarity between their work is when they talked about their love and their use of archives in their work. And mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting how Anna approaches it from much more of like a personal um, a personal archive, whereas uh, Saudi is using these um, national or governmental archives that exist on the internet that are kind of public domain, perhaps, or even just personal um, family anecdotal uh, footage or, uh, you know, uh, material. Um, I think the way they approach the archive as a as a symbol and as material for their work kind of brought them together initially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And eventually they, there was quite a bit of frustration at first, I think not at each other, but you know, again, it's hard to meld two practices together, but Anna had the idea to just try it their way first and then try Saudi's way uh, next and see if it works and kind of, really put themselves in the other person's practice deeply, which I think is a really brave and great way to go about it. So I was really happy to see that. Yeah, and we'll see how that unfolds as the as the project continues. So yeah. stay stay tuned for more in the Saadi and Anna Chronicles. That's team T as in spilling. And then... <laughs> a, Adriana, you're also an editor. In addition to being the podcast guru, you're also an editor for 10001. Can you tell me a little bit about what that's like? 
Oh, Sierra. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I really enjoy the editing process, and I think, you know, there's a lot of information that I'm, I mean, I'm able to see kind of all of the awkward ums and ands that don't really make it to the final cut, obviously, because it would be probably way too long for a finished version. But I think kind of seeing how they're attempting to work together and just sharing their preliminary ideas or even just their day-to-day -day is really interesting to see. And it, it adds to the experience when I'm editing. So I can make good decisions that will make it pleasurable for the viewer to watch. Is it changing how you look at collaboration yourself in any way? Because when, uh, when we did our teaser show, we talked about how you do group work as part of school. And are you, do you have new respect for group work or newfound terror for it as the semester <laughs> starts or, or what? I think just seeing artists who are much more in the in uh, an established place in their careers attempting to work together and having moments of struggle and moments of harmony it's really inspiring because i think group work can be kind of daunting and kind of can kind of feel like a constant compromise mm -hmm. but i think that if you look at the product as less of a definite thing and more of a very malleable a malleable endpoint, perhaps, um, that can change and that can flow with one's ebbing and flowing and changing. Mm -hmm. it, it just can create really uh, great conversation. So I'm excited to actually take what I've learned from here and implement it into my school the, um, group work, but who knows if that will actually happen. See, well, that's that sounds great. And that uh, that's basically all I've got for you. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, this is not one zero 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 one related, but how did you enjoy the Daniel Jodeci opening? Oh, uh, it was, I was only there for a little bit for the opening itself, just cause I, but it's, it's expanded. There's more to it than I described in the previous episode, in the previous episode. And it's still great. Uh, Daniel built a little fence. Well, the three big, pieces they have little fences around them and one fence is rope one fence is just piano keys that are pulled mm. out of a piano so as a result you, mm -hmm. you, you don't you may not think about this but a piano key is something like I don't know 16 inches long ultimately right because you tap on one side and on the other side of the mechanism the thing goes it's a little patong. kicker yeah yeah the other fence is well the the third uh, project that I didn't describe at all. The third piece is another disco ball, a rotating disco ball that's that's dragging these uh, gold chains, like um, you know, just just basic or brass chains. And on the floor is a bunch of sand in a circle. So when the chains drag, they sort of drag a spiral in the uh, in the sand. And oh, wow. then lying in the sand is a boot, which is Cecil Taylor's boot, and a something that initially looked like a dog bowl, but I'll get to that in a second, and a uh, Stratocaster-looking guitar. And so <laughs> when the brass chain rolls over the Stratocaster, it just like plays an open string chord, like just plays the open strings, and uh, you hear it through some amplification. But then when I was there hanging out, 
I sort of kept hearing this really loud noise that was new to me, like this big bang. And you can actually even hear it outside. And what it is, is that thing that I thought was just like a dog bowl or an ashtray or something like that is actually a fire bell. So when what happens is the chain gets caught on Cecil Taylor's boot and then, oh, sorry, the chains are connected to a stick. And then the stick hits the fire bell and it makes it makes a really big ringing sound. One chain is just the chain. It doesn't make a big noise. One chain is connected to a stick and it makes a big noise. And it's uh, and again, it's just these kinds of questions about not really knowing what what is meant to be, what's a mistake, what's something broken. It's a little bit like the Museum of Jurassic Technology also has this thing where you can never really tell when they when they say like they put up a little sign that says this exhibit is is uh, shut down for blah 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 reasons because of the nature of the mjt you never know if they're actually serious or not or let me Mm. rephrase that you don't know what they're always serious which is Mm. one of the hard things to do you know about the museum of jurassic technology I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, you, I guess you're from the wrong side of California then. So <laughs> it's, I won't say too much about it, but the thing is, is it's, is it's very disorienting. It's a very disorienting museum. And among the reasons are, is because you can never tell what exactly is going on. So the, uh, so in Daniel's thing, for example, one chain has a stick attached to it. The other one doesn't, but there is a stick standing in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the circle, not in the middle, but just like in the circle. And you look at it and you wonder like, did it become detached? It looks like it used to be attached, but it's standing straight up. Like it's not fallen or anything like that. And it's just these kinds of, uh, questions that you, that the viewer thinks about and has to try and figure out, what exactly is going on here? Because, um, you know, like you said in the last episode, there's, we don't typically think of nature as making mistakes. And we don't typically right. think of a work of art as having a mis like, like, what is it, what does it mean when a work of art looks like it has a mistake or when it looks like it's right. broken? And I think that Daniel is playing with that a little bit. And that that gives it part of its charm. It's interesting. It sounds like an incalculated orchestra of sorts yeah i mean yes i don't want to go too deeply into you know intentionality or anything like that but it's these sort of uh these curious moments where you're just like well hmm i wonder brilliant well everybody should go see daniel jodice's sandbox garden yes well when is it up until october 10th great so you might actually even see it yeah i will absolutely see it with your jet setting by coastal lifestyle it's uh (laughs) We'll, we'll have to see. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can find out oh. more about Undercurrent at undercurrent.nyc, which includes links to Undercurrent's social media profiles and to this podcast's archive. We're also on Instagram as undercurrent.nyc. Leave us a review, like, and subscribe to the podcast. On behalf of Undercurrent and 1984 Products, I'm Adriana. And I'm Wasir. Until next time. Until next time. That's a plane. Bark. 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 <laughs>